This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an Opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along. As you're doing so, make sure you're heading to our website, opportune.com, for more information on the various technologies and solutions you'll hear about today, but also for more Opportune thought leadership content, including podcasts, articles, videos, and more. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just hit that subscribe button. You'll see a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So on this episode of the podcast, we're continuing on the heels of our last conversation and expanding by exploring the benefits of different technologies and tools on commodities trading. Last week was ETRM Solutions. This week, we're bringing the edge to energy and commodities, exploring how AI and machine learning are transforming energy trading and risk management. So we'll break down some timely, high-profile news that's shaping AI in the energy industry, as well as how energy traders should integrate and get the most use out of AI, what those processes look like, and what kind of ROI you should be eyeing if you do integrate AI into your processes. I'm pleased to welcome our three guests, Kent Landrum, Managing Director of Process and Technology at Opportune, Mark Swan, Director of Process and Technology at Opportune, and Vincent Annunziata, co-founder of Venus Technology Ventures, which was recently acquired by Expansive CBL Markets. And Vinny's previous company, Trade Capture OTC, was purchased by Intercontinental Exchange, and his product, Tap and Trade, is now known as Ice Mobile. Big list of companies there. Great to have you on. Vinny, we'll start with you. How are you doing today? Doing fine, Dan. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. We're looking forward to bringing your insights onto the show. And Kent, thank you again for joining us. Uh, you are a consistent thought leader now on the show. So uh, hopefully you're ready for a little more. Great to be talking with you guys again. And Mark Swan, great to have you on the podcast as well. How are you today? I'm great, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure to have your insights as well. So let's start with maybe some of the biggest news in the AI and energy space already this year. Um, that would be that Baker Hughes, Shell, Microsoft, and C3.ai have partnered to form the OpenAI Energy Initiative. It got a lot of traction here in the last few weeks. And for context, the solution that they're partnering on aims to solve challenges in operational efficiency, including energy management, predictive maintenance, well development optimization and more utilizing AI as the core technology to solve those challenges. So I've got a few things that I want to unpack here. Uh, Kent, I think it would be good to start with you, but Vinny, if you have thoughts as well, feel free. What is everyone's surface level thoughts on this partnership? Does it bode well for AI use and energy? And uh, are these key players indicative of how or why AI is being brought into the space in the first place? That's a great question. You know, I think the partnership is really a reflection of the momentum that AI is gaining in the energy industry. It signals that this is an area where companies are willing to invest to improve returns in a market that's really otherwise a pretty challenging business climate. And when I look through that list of partners, 
You know, I see big, trusted, established enterprise technology players. I see a digital innovator, and I see energy industry stalwarts that really have the wherewithal to make this kind of program go. So it's pretty exciting from an industry perspective. So Kent, uh, this solution is mostly for operational efficiency. So can you give us some more context on what those key operational issues or challenges are that are impacting the industry today and why? Sure. You know, improving reliability ultimately keeps the hydrocarbons flowing, whether that's from a well, through a pipeline, over the rails, on a vessel, or inside a refinery. And predictive maintenance helps extend the useful life of the equipment in those assets. Uh, It keeps wrench time down and it helps companies optimize what they can accomplish during their asset shutdowns, their turnarounds and overhauls. And safety is a big element there too, where you get an understanding of where your incidents are happening and how best to protect your people when they're in the field, when they're in the plant. Now, do you foresee AI investments in the space uh, continuing to attract these largest players and energy and edge technologies? Or do you think some of the more innovative and powerful AI uses are going to happen closer to the bottom of that food chain. And that's not to minimize who would be at the bottom of that food chain, but basically not Microsoft, not Shell, right? In some ways, I view it as the intersection of the two. Small, nimble innovators bringing forward valuable tools combined with the muscle of big oil and big tech to bring the scale. Uh, You mentioned the initial focus on operations, but I think it's just as interesting to see what areas of the energy business are not explicitly addressed by by the partnership in this announcement. There are some other very attractive opportunities where AI, machine learning, natural language processing, etc. can add value for energy companies. Trading and risk management comes immediately to mind. That's what we're, we're here to talk about today. The data sets are large and they're dynamic. They change. They move quickly. Uh, there's potential for outsized gains and losses here, too, to be managed. So the situational awareness that comes from having immediate insight into the markets and your position presents a pretty tantalizing opportunity from my perspective. All right, Kent, thank you for uh, your thoughts there on that broader look at AI in the marketplace. But now to your point, let's hone in deeper on the core of the conversation, which is how AI is going to support the trading side of the industry. You've already got a barrel. How do you place it in the market? How do you extract value from it? And how can AI support that? So I think first we need to understand what today's needs are. So could you all give us some context on what energy traders' biggest needs are in the industry today and why? And what are some of the economic or technological or structural factors that are influencing today's needs? Sure, Daniel. I'll take a stab at that. So um, my background in trading, the the most important um, thing to me has always been data, access to data, um, not just quantity of data, but also speed of access. Um, that can be a number of different things and from a number of different sources. It could be public market data. It could be um, private positional data. Um, it could be uh, results from uh, models and things that I'm running you know, locally on my network. And so historically speaking, data access has been limited for traders based off of real estate. And the solution was how many different monitors can I get in front of my face or above my head as, as it might be uh, so that I have read, readily available access to all of the different data from all the different sources that I want. And then it became a game of how do I make windows on these spaces so that I can fit everything into one place. And there's been some technological advances in that space as well that allow you to uh, build dashboards and do those sorts of things. 
but what might also be helpful is the ability to have one source of data. And so anywhere that the market can advance that capability um, is welcome. To follow up on Mark's point, I've seen a paradigm change in the energy industry every 10 years for how we interact and get at our data. So for example, back in 1997, it was the internet. In 2007, when the iPhone came out, it was like having a computer in your pocket. So we used that to get at our data. And now you know, you flash forward 2017, and to Mark's point, we have this proliferation of applications that are both on our desktop, and when you look at your phone, you see all these different icons for different apps that you use for reaching your data and getting at it. So for me, for AI, we can utilize AI to reach the data in all those different platforms from a single place. And that's one of the key benefits that we have, is having a, a single, single place to go where we can get at the data from all of our legacy systems without having to go into each of these different applications on our desktop or trying to find them on our phone. Just be able to, the same way you can ask Alexa to get you information and data, why not be able to go to a single source to access the data from each of those different platforms all from one place? Yeah, and look, from my perspective, the, the challenge is only going to grow and, and it grows almost in lockstep with the amount of data that's becoming available to us. Um, gone are the days of only having two or three websites to gather public information. We now have both structured and unstructured data available to us well beyond our capacity to be able to consume it, um, no matter how good of a, a fundamental trader you are. There's just too much data available without some sort of technological advances. So we've also seen with this shift and increase in data available, we've seen um, an excitement in the trading community to start to embrace some of those technological advances. I remember starting on the desk 20 years ago and there was pushback from using anything that wasn't my own spreadsheet that I built myself uh, that I knew exactly how it worked. And, and we're now growing into a world where people are excited about what technology is available to them and looking for ways to make access to data quicker and faster. Vinny, I actually want to toss a question your way here and learn a bit about the motivators that brought your solutions to market so we can use that as uh, a bit of a grounded example for why AI is so valuable in energy trading. So what needs did you see specifically in the energy and commodities trading space when you built Venus as a company and the Maestro solution? And how did your solution respond to meeting those needs? Well, first I went out and met with numerous companies out in the energy industry to see how they were currently using their software and their different platforms for getting at their data. And one of the things I noticed is what Mark hit on earlier is that there was a lot of different applications that was on each user's desktop and getting at that data required them to learn that, that information. So whether you're a new person coming in your first day on the job, you had to learn, let's say there's six or seven different systems that each, each of those users would have to do. So the idea came back, well, what if I could get at the data from each of those different systems through one common interface? Um, and then you know, your, your first day, whether you're your first day on the job or you're the CEO of the company, permission it in such a way that users are allowed to get at the data from each of those different legacy systems from one place. So the fastest way to get at that data, interact with that data, was something that we were seeing as a, as a use case that people were requesting. You know, how can I get at my data faster? How can I enter information faster? How can I retrieve data faster from our systems? So, so those are some of the goals that we tried to achieve when we built Maestro. As you built out that solution, what worked for you? And in your opinion, where would you still like to expand the Maestro solution and why? 
what, what worked for us was the ability to actually get at those legacy systems. So for pure, you know, from the trading side, and I wanted to get at things, you know, we were able to ask things such as, you know, show me my spot inventory position for ERCOT renewable energy credits, vintage 2019, or um, show me my forecasted generation for PGM New Jersey solar from now until the end of 2023. And traders could ask things like, show me a pivot grid of my position, or what is a detailed breakdown of my P&L, or, or if they were... Uh, interacting with markets, they could say things like, what is the spread price for natural gas, March versus red March? You know, now show me a chart of that. So those types of things that you're able to do, we're able to do. You can even enter trades. Like people were entering trades saying, like, buy me 50 lots of natural gas in red March for $2.97 on the CME for account 969. So we were able to do a lot of those things. Further now, I mean, look, looking in the future, what we want to do is not just on the front end for the trading and the risk management side, but all the way through the full life cycle of the commodity. So that includes scheduling, doing inventory management, contracts groups, uh, accounting, credit, each of those different groups. Um, we should be able to have use, be able to use a, utilize a platform like Maestro. Now to bring everyone else back into the conversation, clearly the Maestro solution has had success and um, has been seen as valuable by folks that use it day in and day out. Now, to that point, what do you all see as necessary for uh, an AI solution in this space for energy traders to feel like it's worth the investment? What do they need to see out of it to be worth the ROI, to be worth the uh, investment in general, and what KPIs need to be measured to know whether it's uh, a solution that's being used to its full capacity? Yeah, I think for me, the short answer is um, it needs to work the first time I try to use it. Um, at the end of the day, if we're trading in volatile markets, like we saw just recently here in Texas, it, it only takes one trade. It only takes being first on one trade because you had the quickest access to data and could make a decision, you know, a half a second or a split second faster, um, that one trade can be valuable enough to cover any investment in, in a technology like this. Uh, conversely, if it's not available in those most um, sort of volatile times, I, I don't care how good it is the rest of the time. So reliability is key. Um, and so the infrastructure with which you build out these types of solutions so that you have access to that data as quickly and, and as steadily as possible, um, to me is paramount. Mark, you raise an excellent point there. And in order to accomplish what you just described, we've got to take a hard look at overall solution architecture and data quality. So those are the two foundational enablers that I think about when I'm considering the kinds of applications we've been discussing for AI uh, in, the, in the energy trading and risk domain. So we've all talked about how a big portion of that value proposition is derived by rapid access. That means that the AI, the machine learning technology, needs to be able to access the information in real time. There's no room for slow, file-based interfaces, manual uploads, that kind of thing. Instead, you want to expose the most valuable, the most dynamic, the most frequently accessed data sets via APIs through, through those application programming interfaces that these systems have. And these APIs are necessary so that you can get direct, structured, standardized, Vinny touched on secure access to that critical business data that you need that's part of the upfront investment that doesn't always get factored into these kinds of projects, but it can pay big dividends and even beyond the end of your AI initiative. Uh, these APIs can enable mobile, analytics, RPA, many other projects that come along later can take advantage of any infrastructure you put in place here on the API front. 
The other critical enabler that we touched on is data quality. If your data is poorly organized, it's inconsistent, the AI may not be able to locate what you're looking for. It won't learn to the same extent. It might draw incorrect conclusions. So it's extremely important to tighten up your data governance as you seek more and more AI capabilities so that you can get more value. Like the APIs, it'll pay dividends later, but it takes upfront work to make that happen. And it can be really complicated because there's so many characteristics to consider in data quality. You know, Mark touched on it's got to be reliably and consistently there. Uh, You got to have accuracy and precision. You got to know it's valid. It's got to be timely. You can't be waiting on something to be updated. It's got to be at the right granularity. And the list goes on and on and on. But I'd recommend that as you start this type of an AI initiative, you give some thought to how you get a data governance structure and program off the ground along with the, the AI program, at least so that you understand the most important data sets that you're going to be working with. I think that's an excellent point. And getting back to what Mark was saying earlier about getting it right the first time, there's a couple of components that are required in order to achieve that goal. First thing is when when a user speaks a sentence, the NLP has to break that sentence down into the various components. So, for example, if someone was saying uh, Basra light and the system is hearing bathroom light, you know, these are some of the the tricky things that we had to, that we had to go through on when we're building this for the uh, maestro for the commodities industry to make sure that there was a you know a fundamental building block for making sure that the language was said. So when someone says red December, they know that that means, you know, a year out from now and not, you know, not this current December, it's the following December, those types of things. Then the most critical pieces are the APIs. So the APIs having APIs that are repeatable, that are actionable, that are accurate is critical for getting the data both from the systems and into the systems. Because really what's happening on any of these different AI systems, they're taking what the user is saying, they break it down into the components, they're listening for input tokens that are basically associated with those APIs. So for example, what is the commodity? What is the trading period? Um, Those types of data is critical for getting correct in it. And then it matches it to what the intent is. Like, what what are they intending to do? Are they trying to schedule something? Are they trying to retrieve data from a position of risk management system? Are they trying to get credit data? So it figures out then the intent, and then it matches that intent and the data that it heard to the correct API. So that's how it goes against all these different legacy systems. So the way to keep all the millions of dollars that have been invested in so many different legacy applications is by writing these APIs. So through the APIs, you can connect to each of your different legacy systems. And then from one unified interface, something like Maestro, you can use AI to to reach out to each one of those different systems and and aggregate it for the user. So again, going back to my point earlier, whether it's your first day on the job or you're the CEO of the company, everyone within the company can be permissioned for what data they're allowed to see, what data they're allowed to um, enter into the system. And that's what really helps. And they can also, you know, AI does a lot more than this, right? We can, you can, it can proactively let people know like, all right, there's, I'm short this position and, 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 and someone that's trying to sell is coming in right now. You know, I can notify that person proactively and let them know that, that um, there is a seller for something that, you know, I'm short for it. I need to buy or vice versa. I've spent a fair amount of time talking already about how we make decisions and, and trying to be um, mindful of the market data that's available to traders on the desk. But you mentioned and Kent mentioned earlier the idea that AI or natural language processing um, and all of these technological advances they can help across the entire supply chain. Really, the whole the entire value prop for a trader. So, 
starts with gathering data at the beginning of the day. Maybe that's weather data. Maybe that's positional data. Then it gets into watching the markets move in real time. And then it gets to actioning that those decisions. So entering trades or putting offers out on the market. And then from there, if I've executed a trade, how do I get that into my trading system? Gone are the days of having somebody that sits next to you, enters all of your trades. That becomes the responsibility. So most people are using, you know, ice chat, ice or something like that to pass directly into their risk systems, but having an NLP to be able to bifurcate your sentence and say, I want to enter this trade into my risk system and have it pre-populate all that. It's an immense time saver. Um, so I, I just think it's a, these technological advances are, are valuable not just for traders making decisions, but all the way through, as you mentioned earlier, scheduling and, and back office. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious how the use of big data and algorithmic analysis uh, in various trading projects has changed or expanded over the years. So in your views, how have you seen those changes impact uh, trading processes, their effectiveness, and does the use of uh, big data and algorithmic analysis, even without AI as the main solution, signal anything about how AI will support the space moving forward? Yeah, I think you've definitely seen a shift over the years um, towards uh, a more uh, welcoming um, posture towards big data and on the trade desks. Um, historically, one of the challenges has been you conceive the idea of, I wonder what's going on in this space, or I wonder, you know, how is humidity affecting what my load is today in ERCOT? And, and how is that different from what it's been historically? You might have questions like that. And then you start the long process of, well, how do I get at that data? How is that data available to me? How do I get it into my system? And, oh, here we go. Now I've put another, um, uh, another browser up on a board. So how do I get another monitor screen somewhere so that I can have weather humidity on my screen at all times? Um, that, that's been challenging. And so as, as we make data more easily available, again, via multiple different sources, specifically via APIs, where adding a data point like humidity to a weather feed that you already have is not a big deal. Um, it's a very small change. And so, you know, again, building out that infrastructure on the front end makes that big data more easily accessible, which makes people more comfortable using it. And then when you talk about sort of algorithmic trading or black box trading or quant trading, you know, so one of the challenges we've seen in our space has been, you know, a disconnect between fundamental traders and uh, more algo type traders or, or, or quant traders. Um, and a lot of that comes from just an inability to see what data is feeding or, or have access to the same data that might be feeding those models at the same level. And so having some technology that makes that data available, not just to your black box to be able to consume massive amounts of data, but also um, making that same data available in a summarized way from the same resource or some from the same source um, to all of the traders um, helps close that disconnect as well. Mark, a quick question for you there. Do you think that AI presents an opportunity to put a, a friendlier face on those quantitative models and tools that may draw more of your fundamental traders into leveraging that as one of their inputs? Yeah, I think certainly, Kent. Um, to me, again, making that data accessible and less daunting to get to and process um, to me opens the door for all all traders, right, to, to be able to start thinking about how do I put more data into my models or my solutions or my decision-making process? 
Now, I'm curious uh, how you see traders responding to these kinds of solutions. Have you felt any uh, resistance from the industry in the past to integrate these kinds of edge technologies to support trading? Uh, And if so, uh, what is some of the strategy that you employ to present AI as a valuable solution and, uh, you know, get past any hesitancy to uh, employ a completely new solution? Uh, You know, I'm I'm sure there are some traders still out there that view the tried and true method that they know as the way to achieve what they need to. So, you know, how do you convince them otherwise? Yeah, so let me take the first part of that, and then I'll, I'll flip the second part over to Vinny because he probably has a little better perspective on on how the market's receiving this. But from a trader's perspective, we certainly have seen an evolution of, I'll call it sort of analytical skills, even of the type of candidate that we're bringing into the to the position, into the role, and and the people who are attracted to it. Quick decision making, ability to be able to um, understand multiple inputs. Uh, sort of calm under pressure, cool under pressure, being able to weather sort of whips and, and movements have all been sort of inherent skills of traders. What you saw historically was a gap. Myself, for example, I wasn't the guy who could build out the, the, the fancy models or, or write programming to get access to data or, or look at answer a question or solve a problem a particular way. So we had great guys that sat right near us. Hey, you know what? I'd really like to see it this way, or I'd really like to try to put these things together. How do I do that? You know, and so trade shops would hire guys to, to do that that particular role and sort of be a catch-all for, I've got this idea, I've got this concept, how do you help me put this into fruition? But now what we're seeing is it almost doesn't matter what degree you come out of uh, college with, everybody's got some exposure to some programming language or programming skills and all of that. So I think the appetite just of the people who are moving into the space and stepping into these roles is more favorable towards, towards the use of technology. And, and my guess is, Vinny, maybe you've seen something similar as far as when you're getting out and talking to people who are looking at using these technologies, an evolution or more of an appetite towards this thing. Absolutely. What I've seen is people being very happy that they're able to get at the data from their different systems through the APIs. And what was interesting was we're not there quite not quite there yet as far as everyone feeling comfortable speaking to the computer or being in a social situation where speaking to their computer, speaking to their phone is what they want to do. So what the NLP also has to be able to do is allow people to simply type it in if they want to quickly type a text, almost like, you know, you're you're typing a text to your assistant that would be, um, you know, your, your computer assistant here that would be helping you get that data or even having shortcut icon buttons. So what we're able to do is we can tie a quick tap of a button that actually executes a you know sentence or a few sentences commands that you would be sending off. So every single question that's going to the backend engine is an actual um, you know human statement type of question, but it can either come through a voice, it can be typed in, or it can just be a quick tap of an icon to send that data and get it back. But I think we've that kind of covers all the bases and people, as you were saying earlier, and, you know, they're, they're able to now with more technology and it's become more natural to have these APIs. And it's so critical then that, um, uh, you know, they're able to, to have those in place so that they can make the achieve the goals that they want to achieve on the AI side. Yeah. And, and maybe to put a bow on that, you asked the question earlier, what needs to be done to get people comfortable with making this shift? And the short answer is, look, success. If, if you can demonstrate that the tool works, if you can demonstrate that the solution works, if you can demonstrate that the infrastructure and the data cleansing 
adds value on the back end, those wins are what make all of this worth it. And I would add on, Mark, that, you know, Vinny touched on this earlier. This isn't our first big transition that we've gone through on the trade floor. We added screens. We added data. We've added models. We've gone mobile. There have been multiple transitions, kind of epochs that we've moved through. And I think that's built some momentum and a certain receptiveness to people that have been in this business for 15, 20 years at this point, on top of the people that you referenced earlier that are coming in fresh and are expecting these things to be there for them when they get on the job. All right, Kent, Mark, Vinny, we're just about done with our conversation today. But last main thing I want to ask is basically how should businesses, individual traders uh, begin to search for, advocate for, and integrate AI into their operations? Where do you start? How do you assess if it's even a right solution for you? And um, how do you uh, develop that integration strategy? Yeah, so let me take a first quick pass at that. So from a trader's perspective, I would say, you know, take a little bit of time to think about your pain points. Where, What areas are you struggling with? Where are you losing time? Where are you spending time that you could be better focused on something more valuable? If that's access to data, then you should look for something that uh, a technology solution that might allow you to get red, red better access to data. If what you're struggling with is every time I pull the data back, I, I don't have any faith in it. I don't trust uh, my risk system or I don't trust the output of my models. Well, maybe you have a data quality problem. So start with what the challenges are. Start with what you're struggling with. Start with what your pain points are. Um, and from there, you can start to look for different solutions that are in the marketplace. I'll tell you that, that it's very difficult to be abreast or, or be aware of everything that's available um, in the marketplace. Um, that's where guys like Kent and I and and Vinny, who have seen a lot of these different things from a lot of different perspectives, can be helpful. Um, but but you really need to start with some some introspective thought. I would just like to add a question for everyone in the industry. You know, how valuable is your time? So in other words, if you could have part of your day back by being able to get at your data faster, more accurately, how much does that save you personally, and how much does that save your organization? And that's one of the huge benefits with AI is being able to get at that data faster and then have those interactions that you need as quick as possible and save you time. And on that note, I think we're wrapped with our conversation. So thank you again to all three of our guests for giving insights today on how AI solutions are going to be beneficial for the today and the tomorrow of energy trading and risk management. Again, we've been chatting with Kent Landrum, Managing Director of Process and Technology at Opportune, Mark Swan, Director of Process and Technology at Opportune, and Vincent Annunciata, Co-Founder of Venus Technology Ventures. Thank you again to Kent, Mark, and Vinny. Uh, Vinny, if folks want to find out more about some of your work in this space, how can they get in touch or read up? Okay, so the company where I work now is a company named Expansives. Uh, Expansives is the world's leading spot exchange for environmental commodity markets. You can use our X market platforms such as CBL markets and H2X for transacting and managing your energy and ESG products such as carbon, renewable energy, water, and natural gas. Uh, we have an EMA universal API that allows companies to reach across over 10 different registries for managing positions and scheduling transfers and retirements. Um, we're also an innovator in developing new products such as digital natural gas and uh, global emissions offsets or the GEO. Uh, we have X registries and X signals for ESG market data. So you can 
You can learn more about these services and our AI Maestro solution by visiting expansive.com. That's X-P-A-N-S-I-V.com on the web, or feel free to reach out to me via email at vinnyanunziata, vinny.anunziata at cblmarkets.com, or feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, for Vinny Anunziata. So once again, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Kent, Mark, and Dan. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you guys. It's been great. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an Opportune podcast. For more information on how Opportune is playing in this space and supporting the future of edge technologies in energy trading and commodities trading, you can go to our website, opportune.com. You can also listen to our previous episode of E2B. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for that content and make sure you stay tuned for future episodes. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you next time on E2B Energy to Business, an opportune podcast.